0: It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball Podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. My guest today is Mr. Steve Dawson. Steve is the owner and operator of Bobby Riggs Racket and Paddle Club in Encinitas, California. He's seen the world, conquered tennis and pickleball, has arguably the best calf muscles the game will ever see, and along the way managed to raise some other incredible players, Callan and Tyler Dawson, alongside his lovely wife Jennifer. Please welcome the man, the myth, the Steve Dawson. How I am a man.
1: I'm doing fine, thank you. A little steamy, not as steamy as you, but I'm doing fine.
0: Yeah, it's only 117 here today. What's, what is it <laughs> down there?
1: I'm complaining it's probably 85.
0: Oh, come on. You don't even know you've been born. Jeez. <laughs> so tell me, how have yourself, the family, and, and the Bobby Riggs Empire been handling the uh, the little pandemic that's going on?
1: You know, for two months, we were sort of huddled into our house and the club was closed so like every contemplative person i decided to get the most out of the time so we enjoyed the family time and tyler's medical school closed he came home his girlfriend came home callan moved out with all his roommates and came home so we had a good time of cooking and eating and drinking like everyone else (laughs) and then the club Reopened a little too early, so the sheriff had to close us down. Oh, yeah, one of those. And then uh, I jumped the gun. <laughs>
0: that's understandable. People love their pickleball.
1: I pulled the trigger too fast. So, uh, well, but now good. it's now it's been open, and the club's doing fine, and we're as busy as ever. So all's well.
0: Okay, well, all's well that ends well. Yes. But you're you're typically not so much the high risk, high reward kind of pickleball player. You're you're known for your consistency. Are you are you changing the guard there?
1: No, I I live with Jennifer.
0: Ah, yes, that's true.
1: There goes the trigger pulling right there.
0: Okay, all right. So (laughs) monkey see, monkey do. So uh, the word around the campfire is that you have been playing a a, a more aggressive style of, of pickleball. But when you first started, and I think for a number of years, your game kind of revolved around consistency, high percentage play, fantastic dinking. What sort of changed? Did you just see the writing on the wall or was it always uh, by design?
1: Well, everyone else seems to be pulling the trigger faster. And I haven't given up the dink strategy. I love it if people will engage me. But I have a partner that Will engage in the similar game style. And when you play soft and move the ball around, you're really waiting for that exact moment to strike. But if your partner has already struck on the first or second ball they get, you become reactive to a point instead of uh, manipulating the point on your terms. So, yeah,
0: there's real pros and cons to both of those. For me, you know, I felt like. I didn't think my hand speed was good enough when I first came in. So I, I really thought, well, my best chance of improving and getting up to speed is pick a fight as early as possible because they'll have to get quick or die. Right. And I I totally understand the, you know, wait for the exact moment and sort of only pull the trigger when uh, when you've built the point to a certain degree. I feel like there's, it kind of takes four to tango in that scenario if two or three people want to play a a wham bam thank you ma'am kind of pickleball then it doesn't matter how much you'd like to dink them to death (laughs) they're not going to agree with that
1: i agree so to be a more of a participant in the style the game is going i've had to lift up my aggressive play a little bit or else i become an observer instead of a participant
0: Yeah, I mean, I've seen you drive the ball, and I've seen you serve it hard. So there's no reason why you can't uh, really evolve into a power player. That'd be quite fun.
1: Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I look at pickleball. I'm going to add up on something you said. My first tournament I played, I was 54. When Callan and I got to the finals of nationals, I was 55, and we're playing all the 22-year-olds. I was slower. I was older. My hand speed wasn't as fast. So. When I got into the game, you know, even when I played tournaments against you and Marson, I wasn't going to pick a fight. I had no chance. I had to be the feel guy, touch guy, patient guy, because why would I go do a hands battle against Daniel Moore or Morgan Evans? So I had to play that style to succeed. When I was playing with Callum and uh, the senior pickleball, which is what I play now, guys' hand speeds aren't as fast. Our reflexes have slowed just a little through the aging process, so I have felt that the aggressive game can be more rewarding at the senior level than the open level, at least for me. Mm. I'm almost a 60-year-old now, I, it's not like I'm going to slap balls right by anyone en- anymore. But yeah.
0: yeah, so it's more of a case of you know, knowing your enemy and adapting your style to work out you know, what's going to beat them the easiest.
1: Yeah, believe me, if I went and played another open tournament, I'd be the softest hitter known to man.
0: Be. <laughs> I believe it, I believe it. <laughs> Do you think the kind of style that you choose to play and what kind of partner you choose to play with is critical, or can two people, you know, sort of have opposite styles and still complement each other?
1: I think opposites can work, I mean... Uh...
0: You and Jennifer seem to, you know, you've spent you know, a large degree. um, And I know know you play mixed in a a slightly different way than men's, but it's fair to say she does like to speed things up a little early.
1: Yeah, she does. And, you know, that's her strength too. So she's Mm. fearless. She likes to slap that ball like crazy. So uh, when I play mixed with her, I try to get the ball up to speed where she's more comfortable.
0: Okay. So you're focused more on, on, you know, picking the, the speed and the style that makes your partner more comfortable.
1: Yeah. And and when I play with uh, other senior players that like to speed the ball up, I just have to get used to when they do it because part of speeding the ball up is surprising your opponents. Half the time, your partner surprises you. And so when I'm playing with a guy that surprises me, I'm just as caught off guard as my opponents. So (laughs) (laughs) For sure. It does take getting used to the partner you're playing with, but I think opposite styles can complement.
0: Yeah. I remember I had the good fortune to partner with Lee Waters a couple of times last year. And I remember thinking, this is probably how Steve feels because she, she wasn't <laughs> waiting more than one or two shots before she'd try to uh, nail one through the middle. And I was often over on the sideline, hoping someone was going to dink the ball nicely to me. <laughs> um, wondering why the ball was coming whizzing through the middle and her looking at me, you know, you've got to protect the middle, right? I'm just exactly. going to speed it up all the time.
1: <laughs> well, it's mixed doubles, Morgan. It's always your fault.
0: It is. It is. And that's our role. That's our role. It's, It is the penance. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a lot of players out there that potentially would like to play with their significant others. You seem to have found a, a good way to be married to the person that you can win major titles with. Is there any kind of secret you, you would share with our listeners?
1: Oh, if I had a secret, I would share it. It's minute by minute and second by second. It is very difficult, even though I still do it. I have been the last year or two trading my wife off to various partners so I could enjoy myself in the stands watching the finals instead of having to be out there in a nerve-wracking situation. Mm. So uh, I do both. I play with her half the time and, and play with other people as well. So
0: Okay. All right. So you, you like to mix it up. That's yeah. that's probably a safe bet. Yeah, I, I'd imagine if people out there that do want to play with their significant others, that the kind of mounting tension and anxiety, if you only ever play with them, is probably one of the reasons why it it does tend to end a lot of either partnerships or relationships.
1: This is meant to be taken humorously, Hmm. but I was hoping that uh, I would have Jennifer play with other people and when the tournament was over, she would say, boy, how much she missed playing with me, but that hasn't happened. (laughs) I was hoping to get more appreciated, but I'm still waiting.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully she's listening to this.
1: She's in the other room. I'm sure she's got her ear wide open. I do have a funny couple of stories for you, though.
0: Oh, yeah, do tell.
1: In the uh, finals of the California Open last year, Cammie and I had a couple of match points on Jennifer and Chris Miller, and we lost that. So Jennifer got to beat me in the finals of the tournament. And then at Nationals last year, myself and Gigi Lemaster in the main draw beat uh, Jennifer and, and Chris Miller, which was very fun. Gigi Lamaster was as happy as I was. Mm-hmm. So we were arresting our laurels for a few more matches and then in through the back draw comes Jennifer and Chris Miller and I was like, I can't believe I have to play my wife twice in the same tournament. <laughs> and then they came around and beat us. So oh. even though Jennifer went on to the finals, I can say I was one and one against her in the same tournament.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's a win.
1: And the, the family's happy.
0: Yeah, whatever it takes to keep, uh, keep the peace, right?
1: Yeah, I do whatever it takes.
0: <laughs> Good man. And
1: sometimes that's still not enough.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure she appreciates the effort anyway. <laughs> ah, that's good stuff, Steve. we will hold you there just for a moment for a quick word from our sponsor. It seems like only yesterday that the game was dominated by teams that could outdink the rest. The evolution of the game and the arrival of top-level tennis players gave rise to the age of bangers, and with it, the need to defend against them. The objective of today's topic is how best to neutralise third-shot drives. However, a couple more precise objectives are Test your opponent's movement. If you can play the block volley well, then you'll be forcing your opponents to utilise a movement speed that otherwise doesn't typically exist outside the singles court. Dictating the match style, If the soft game is your forte, then you can force your opponents to play that style of game, and you'll have a much greater chance of success. Very often, whichever team wins the battle to decide the pace of play wins the game. The next time you come up against a banger, try to implement some of today's strategies. For a more detailed look at how to play the shot, check out our technique video on the block volley. That uh, seemed like good advice. Let's head back over to Mr. Dawson. So now you've slowly transformed Bobby Riggs from a tennis club into a, a pickleball haven. Was there some blowback initially or was it pretty smooth sailing?
1: There's blowback all the way.
0: Ooh. First
1: of all, I, I didn't forcibly say I'm going to transition the club into pickleball. I just followed the trends and what the people wanted. And as more and more people flooded the pickleball, I thought it would be foolish to say, no, this is a tennis club. So I, I changed the name of the club from Bobby Riggs Tennis Club to Bobby Riggs Racquet and Paddle Club. Started opening up more courts to pickleball and tennis players got upset. But through the entire transition, tennis players never had to wait for tennis courts. Tennis players were never denied the opportunity to play. They just didn't like looking to the other side of the club and seeing people play pickleball. So it was yeah. it was no other reason other than they don't like it. It's like, hey, you got a court whenever you want. One of my funny lines I like to use on the tennis members when we had them was they would always complain about the noise of pickleball. So I would purposely schedule my pickleball lessons right next to a tennis court.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and then when the tennis players would glare at me, I would ask them to please keep all their comments to themselves. I'm trying to teach a pickleball
0: lesson.
1: (laughs) He didn't
0: like that. I'm sure that goes over (laughs) brilliantly.
1: Please be quiet. I'm trying to teach a lesson.
0: (laughs) I was reading something by Joe Dinoffa, the on-court, off-court guy, and it was an article about the noise of a pickleball versus a tennis ball. And Apparently, per contact, it's about 30% quieter than a tennis ball, but because there's so many more contacts in a a rally, in a game, and often the, the general amount of laughter in a short sort of space. That's what kind of leads people to believe it's a noisier game than tennis.
1: Everyone does the test on the decibel rating, but I've read very little about the pitch. Yeah. Not about how loud it is, it's about the sound waves coming off as a different pitch is what people find intolerable. So yeah. it's more that it's different than that it's loud.
0: I heard recently over the weekend that you now have a group of fences that are occupying some courts on a on a weekly basis. You, you've got a fencing club going on there? Is this going to become the <laughs> Bobby Bobby Riggs Racket Paddle and Sword Club?
1: How did you find out we had a fencing class out there?
0: Well, yeah, we just had the tournament at, at Newport.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of like it, actually. But no, uh, fortunately, before I opened up uh, the club more to pickleball, I went down to the city of Encinitas to find out the exact zoning of of the club and how it was registered with the city of Encinitas. And thankfully, the club is registered as an athletic club. If it was registered as a tennis club, I would have a battle, but it was registered as an athletic club. So I said, great.
0: Brilliant. I can
1: make pickleball. That's a sport. Tennis is a sport, and so is fencing. And with COVID, one of the local fencing or sword fighting clubs was closed, and they just needed a place outdoors to do their stuff. So... A few times a week, a bunch of junior Olympians and fencing people and their coaches put up all their gear and their little foils and they get out and uh, do their stuff outdoors, which is wonderful.
0: would be tempting just to go in there with a broadsword and uh, really show them what's going on.
1: Morgan, you're (laughs) welcome to come over during your summer heat wave and the shot. I'll arrange it for you.
0: Oh, that would be fun. I've always wanted to uh, try fencing, but it actually one of the, is one of those things that looks a lot more difficult than the average person could just come in, prance around a little bit, and hope to stab someone.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, to me, it looks like a bunch of people in beekeeper suits out there running. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess it's a great sport for COVID. You know, you're kind of pretty well protected from everything, right?
1: Yeah. If you don't social distance, it means you were stuck by someone's foil and you just lost.
0: <laughs> so tell me, you know, obviously, Bobby Riggs was a legendary tennis player. In talking to you a couple of years ago, especially, you know, you were of the firm belief that if Bobby was alive today, he would play pickleball. And I would agree. Any idea what kind of player he'd be?
1: He would be a player that would gamble on himself. Oh. But he also would be good. And I think I told you uh, in that conversation that uh, a lot of people don't know that Bobby Riggs was the California State paddle tennis champion as well as the Wimbledon tennis champion. So, paddle tennis, that's the that Jesse Irvine came from, correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: So uh, Bobby Riggs was the California State Paddle Tennis Champion and a tennis player. And there's absolutely no doubt that he would be thoroughly involved in pickleball. No doubt about it.
0: Can you imagine if he and Billie Jean King managed to uh, team up just once before he passed? That would have been fun.
1: Paddle Tennis or pickleball?
0: Well, pickleball, yeah.
1: (laughs) Sounds like another battle of the sexes.
0: It's true. It's true, yeah host another one of those
1: you know i don't know i was hoping that after the first one we would always take the u.s open men's senior champions and play the u.s open women's pro champions is a yearly thing Mm. it never did and and maybe sometime again i mean i would love to see it again to tell you the truth
0: it was exciting it gave me an excuse to wear a suit
1: (laughs) yeah i will say though that i've been asked by our opponents in that match for a rematch and i said Without a
0: doubt, it's never going to happen. Yes, no, no. Quit while you're ahead. You.
1: I'm not going to go try that again, I'll tell you that.
0: Okay, we're going to hold it there for just a moment with Steve for a medium-sized tip from our sponsor, Coach Me Pickleball, which is me. I know it's a little weird, but it is what it is. Today, I want to talk about the land of opportunity, or as many people still call it, no man's land. I grew up in Australia, and Australia loves its motorsport. Legions of fans line the tarmac week after week to bear witness to the age-old marriage of speed and testosterone. One of the more interesting races is called the Go to Woe. It's a drag race with a twist. Unlike a traditional drag race, the Go to Woe is a race to get to the finish line as fast as possible and stop just before it. It's testing a driver's ability to brake as well as accelerate. What does this have to do with pickleball, I hear you say? Well, funny you should ask. And I know what you're thinking. Morgan, your analogies are really on point today. Can we have another automotive one? Yes. Yes, you can. Early production cars were woefully slow by today's standards, but the speed race was never as dramatic as it was in the earlier 20th century. Horsepowers rose with the advent of bigger and bigger engines, but what stopped power translating into increased speed wasn't cylinders or suspension, it was the brakes. Manufacturers struggled to stop their cars within reasonable braking distance, so they couldn't really afford to let their engines off the leash. The takeaway from this is simple. Move at the speed that allows you to stop in time. If your brakes aren't working like they used to, resist the urge to sprint because the chances are you won't be able to stop yourself in a time when it comes to the all-important split step. Do the hard work early. Stay present over your third ball, but as soon as your feet are ready to move and you can see that your third ball was a successful drop, move. Explode out of the gates with every ounce of gusto you can muster. Your goal is to get as far as possible as quickly as possible so that when you have to put the brakes on, you're in a position to have options. At all costs, try to avoid being in forward motion when your opponent is contacting the ball. You don't know exactly where the ball is going and your ability to move sideways while moving forward is limited to say the least. If you start spending more time in this area, that's generally called no man's land, then a few things will happen. Firstly, you will realize that you have a lot more time to react to incoming balls. You'll also be able to more accurately see which balls are going out. And unfortunately, you will have to bend your knees. Sorry, but let's be honest, knees are made for bending. Games are so often won or lost in this mid-court area. Players who are comfortable dinking, defending, and attacking from this area are essentially using valuable real estate to employ time and space to their advantage. Enjoy this no-man's land. Embrace the location, and one day soon you may just see it for what it really is. The land of opportunity. Okay, let's head back over to Mr. Dawson, see what's happening. So when it's time to hang up the Bobby Riggs paddle, is uh, either Callan or Tyler going to take over?
1: Right now, uh, Callan has started a few months ago to become a general manager. So he is now teaching pickleball out there four or five days a week and managing the club and and helping run the Procanics Pickleball Paddle Company as well. It was interesting, you know, he spent two years out of pickleball studying to be uh, a paramedic and a fireman and he finally got hired. Uh, the city of San Diego was a fireman, and he did that for a few months and didn't really like it. And it's the, the day he said, guys, I'm quitting firemen, you know, I, I got to do something else, was actually the time that COVID hit. And so he quit being a fireman right when COVID hit, and a bunch of his co-workers at the fire department all got sick from transporting COVID people. So, Oh, wow. He, he does not regret his decision at
0: all. Oh, that's perfect timing. Amazing. So I saw him on the weekend and it looked like he ha, has slimmed down. He looks, you know, fit and strong and playing incredible pickleball. I didn't realize he had got into coaching. Is that something that's uh, obviously been helping his game?
1: What's helped his game is getting fitter. Mm. And that is all because of Fire Academy and running with logs on your back and having fire gear wrapped around you when it's 102 degrees and running around with hoses. I mean, the guy dropped like 25 pounds.
0: It's amazing. It's incredible.
1: And now it's stayed off and uh, you saw his results the last tournament.
0: Yeah, it's impressive.
1: Going back to our earlier conversation, he took uh, the soft game and dinking to another level in this tournament and just dinked everyone into submission. So the soft game is alive and well at the pro level of pickleball.
0: For sure. I I think... One person with the highest level of skill in, in one of the arenas can certainly change the game. If you're an incredible banger with lightning-fast hands, you can you know, certainly change the game, but equally so, if you have the most incredible ability to cool things off and, and settle things down, that it just you know, frustrates someone looking to pull the trigger, then wow. yeah, perhaps equally so. It'll be very interesting to see if he's able to, uh, no matter what speed of the ball, always be able to settle things down into the kind of arena that he excels at the soft game.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's fun, though. It's fun having different styles and different players that do different things and match them all up. I've always, I hope you agree with me that, uh, you know, a fantastic banger is in power player with quick hands is always going to be a real good dinker, but a fantastic dinker is always going to be a real good banger so it's someone who's perfected their art form not the art form itself that determines men
0: yeah i guess the beauty of the game really isn't it there's a place for two different skill sets to kind of level out and become that great equalizing factor that uh, keeps us going back
1: there we go
0: have you got any tournaments coming up
1: well i pulled out of this last one newport beach i was supposed to go on a business trip but That got canceled, so I went and had uh, a little toe surgery that I'm going to limp around for a little bit. I've got the Las Vegas Open in a month or so, and then after that, the PPA Championships uh, the week after. So I've got two more tournaments this year. The APP tournament, the SoCal Classic, was rescheduled from uh, June, the third weekend in June, which is where it's been for 12 straight years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of COVID, it was moved into December, but a lot of the tournaments have been canceled because you can't have spectators. And as you know, one of the greatest things about Bobby Riggs is, is the viewing and the decks and you can crowd people in and all that's in jeopardy with this COVID stuff. So I will have a phone call with Ken Herman in the next week or two to find out what's going to happen with the APP tournament at Bobby Riggs.
0: Okay, we'll keep tuned in for that. How can our listeners find you if they want to come and take a lesson or join Bobby Riggs?
1: All information is at bobbyriggs.net.
0: Perfect. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Steve Dawson. We will speak to you soon and we'll see you on the courts, mate.
1: All right. Thank you, Morgan. Take care.
0: All right. Take care. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as I have. You can find out more about this episode at pickleball.fm. And you can follow me on Facebook at More or Less Pickleball. The links and info about our guests are in the description and on the website. So please check them out, guys. This podcast was powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. That's it for now. I'm Morgan Evans, and this has been More or Less Pickleball. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So their whole objective is to be more socially distant to win.